The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. As we noted at the beginning of Mass, in the eyes of the Church, today is still Christmas Day. And that's important. Because oftentimes our experience of life, even with the very best of things, is we're too quick to move on. We're too quick to lay aside the goodness, the grace, the blessing of the moment, because we want to get on to the next thing that's coming. And for this day, the church says, but we will not do that. We will not do that because there is something so great that we celebrate that we must take time to let it penetrate us so that we might understand it, but likewise, so that we have a chance of truly coming to possess and be possessed by the joy and the greatness of this mystery. And so rather than lay it aside quickly because we have other things to do, the church says, we're taking eight days. We are taking eight days to do this. Likewise, we do the same thing with the celebration of Easter. Twice on our calendar, we say there is a mystery that is so unspeakably great. One single day is not enough to hold it. One single day is not enough to meet it. And it doesn't matter how much preparing I have done before Christmas if I am quick to leave the day behind me once it arrives. What a remarkably powerful perspective that is, that grace and goodness, that blessing and joy are worth holding on to, but also knowing that holding on to them, possessing them in the first place, requires thought and effort on our part. If not, everything remains shallow and insubstantial. So it is not an accident that we see the model for this is in no small measure our Blessed Lady on Christmas Day. And what do we hear? Even as the shepherds are departing, praising God, what is Our Lady doing? She is holding on to all of these things in her heart receiving the joy and the greatness of what is happening as a treasure that must be valued, that must be considered, 
and that must be appreciated. And that's what the church does over these eight days of the Christmas octave. It is the holding of the truth and the goodness and the joy of the mystery within its heart that we might learn to hold it within our hearts as well. Because only then will we move forward into the new year strengthened by this great mystery which stands at the head of our calendar. Now, wonderful that is because Christmas is not just one day that is eight days long in the eyes of the church. After that, it's a season. So there are still two weeks of Christmas time left. The world around us has already forgotten and moved on, hasn't it? Decorations have come down. Christmas music is not being played anywhere. And we replace Merry Christmas with Happy New Year. But for us, Happy New Year doesn't make full sense without first Merry Christmas, because that is where the newness comes. We hear in our second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians today something mysterious and yet unspeakably beautiful. In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman. Well, let's just pause with that marvelously pregnant statement, the fullness of time. Because to talk about the fullness of time implies that time had been lacking in some way, that there was a certain emptiness with regard to time that there's a certain element of time, of history, of the passing of years, the movement of ages, that while it is happening, is conscious that something is missing, that something is lacking, that something remains woefully incomplete, and that time itself doesn't realize its meaning until it can reach the point of fullness. This is the essence of the mystery that we celebrate over these holy days, that it is the arrival of the Word made flesh that is the fulfillment of time, the fulfillment of history, and that without Jesus Christ, human history, the history of the world, the history of the universe, will always be lacking something. And whatever goodness one might find there, it is a goodness that in the end falls short of what it can be, what it was meant to be in the first place. It implies this, that even at the very beginning when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth and all of their array, looking at it all and seeing that it is good and blessing his work, there's still a certain unfinished aspect to all of it. Because even that moment of the original creation is ordered to something greater. And that is the coming of the word of God into that world, into that universe that God has made. And until he does so, good as it is, creation itself 
is incomplete. And so we celebrate over these days the fullness of time. And what is it about time becoming full? God sends his son, born of a woman. Her name is Mary. She is that one whom the angel names full of grace, who stands ready to receive the very fullness of time itself, Jesus Christ. Note how wonderful that is. Jesus is the one who brings all things to their fulfillment, and he comes to us in Mary, through Mary, with Mary, and by Mary. And he has no other way that he takes to come to us. And so it is that as we complete our Christmas octave, we who marvel at the word of God becoming flesh, the Son of God dwelling among us precisely because we know him to be God, we know then who it is that is his mother and that she is mother of God. Note how marvelous that is. When we say that we celebrate Our Lady as the mother of God, we are first saying the child born for us in the manger is divine and is God himself. Indeed, God with us. Note how wonderful that is, which is why the church marvels at Our Lady and says, amazingly, you became the mother of the one who made you. And as he shows his faith in face in time, how does he do so? Through Mary. And on her lap and in her arms, he opens his eyes physically to the creation that he had made for the very first time, gazing first upon her and then outward to the world he made and those shepherds who have come to visit him. How wonderful this is. And note, again, what our readings also say. Because especially with our first reading and our psalm, the word blessing is repeated over and over again. And what do we hear about blessing? May the Lord look with favor upon you. And may he let his face shine upon you. And there's a value in simply considering what those expressions mean. What kind of face is a face that is bright? A face that lights up, if not a face which has a certain joyfulness about it. We have the expression that someone's face clouds over when he or she is sad or upset or angry. A darkened face. What do we see here? We ask the Lord to let his face shine upon us. And that is a face of goodness, a face that knows how to delight, a face that is filled as well with the light of love, because that is a face that lights up, that shines. And the very essence of the Christian mystery is coming forth from Our Lady, 
Note how wondrous this is. The Lord in his love and his goodness has been hidden among us for nine months in the womb of Mary. And then, amazingly, as light passing through a clear window, Jesus is born of Our Lady, passing through her virginity into this world. And the brightness of his face shines out. The very essence of blessing. Look upon us, O Lord, with delight, favor, and love. And in the light of your face, our hearts will be warmed and we will be filled with your grace and your goodness. He is the one whose face brightens over us. But we see on this day the place where that light first breaks on the world has a name, and her name is Mary. Mother of Jesus, Mother of God. How wondrous this is. And note what it says about Christ, that he is so pleased to share our life that he who does not need to depend on anyone is pleased to make himself dependent on her. How remarkable that is. And why? Because the Lord has come to bless us in our need and our weakness and our dependence. One of the very essences of what it is to ask for and receive a blessing is that I recognize a certain incompleteness about myself. That the good that I have within me passes so quickly and is often so strangely weak and easily overcome. It's not that it's bad, it's just that it's so small. And so I turn to the Lord seeking his blessing that my goodness can be renewed, that my goodness can be made more perfect, that my goodness can grow. But I also recognize that there is much in my life that is often off course, that is often nothing more than weakness or frustration even as I move forward. And my heart begins to grow tired and chilly and my face darkens. And so I turn to the Lord saying, let the light of your face shine upon me so that my heart might be warmed again, that what is wounded in me might begin to heal, that where I struggle, I might know some success and some relief and that I have the energy to live more fully again. Note how wonderful this is. And what, when do we reflect on these things? On that day in the Christmas season where we celebrate the motherhood of Our Lady. Because she is the mother of grace and the mother of blessing. Because she is the mother of him who brings time, history, our lives out of incompleteness into fullness. How wonderful that is. And in being the mother of God, in being the mother of Christ, 
She is, in a very real way, the mother of all believers. Because even your faith in Jesus is the child of hers. She is the first to believe, and through her belief, Christ comes into the world. And without her faith, your faith and my faith are not possible. Without her surrendering to the Lord and opening her heart to his will, our doing so does not happen. Note how marvelous that is. She is the first to sing the glory of Jesus Christ come into the world. And all further hymns that honor Christ are the children of that song that first is inspired in her heart and sung by her lips. She is that one who in visiting her cousin Elizabeth is the first to bring Jesus into the household of another. And every act of missionary activity and charitable service in the name of Christ is the child of that movement. Mother of God, and therefore mother of the life of God within us. Mother of God, and therefore the mother of our relationship with God. Whether one acknowledges the greatness of Our Lady or not, it doesn't matter. If there is faith and belief in Christ in that one, that faith and belief are the child of her faith and her belief and her response. How wonderful it is. We celebrate the Lord who blesses us, and in doing so, we also celebrate the way he comes to us, the way he meets us. And it is wonderful indeed that standing on the doorstep of the new year, Filled with the joy of this holy season, where do we find ourselves but like those shepherds? In a place where we meet Our Lady, and in doing so, find with her, her Son, Jesus Christ, great and powerful, the Son of justice and the light of the world. And as Father de Montfort so beautifully reminds us, it is easier to separate light from the sun than it is to separate Mary from Jesus and Jesus from Mary. And in finding her, we are in that place where the light of his face shines most clearly, most readily, and most nearly. She, the gate of heaven, she, the star of the sea, she is also the throne of grace and mercy. And when we draw near to her, the light of the face of her son shines upon us. Our hearts are warmed and the joy of salvation comes to us. How wonderful it is then that in just a few minutes, we get to come forward as those shepherds did Moving to the place where the Lord was found, we will come forward approaching the altar because he will be here in Our Lady's shrine. And here in Our Lady's shrine, we will come forward and we'll stretch out our hands to him. And in that moment, that moment of Holy Communion, consider this, before you receive the consecrated host, his very body, 
will be held up before your eyes. And you'll hear those words, the body of Christ. And what is happening in that moment, even though your physical eyes will not see it, what is truly happening in that moment is that Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Mary, is letting the light of his face shine upon you. And when you stretch out your hands to receive him, that is who you receive. And that is what you receive. And in that moment, however empty, imperfect, incomplete, frustrating these days may have been, however good they have been, you will stretch out your hand to the one who makes their goodness even more full. You will stretch out your hand to the one who makes what is missing healed and renewed. You will stretch out your hand to that one, the son of she who is full of grace, who brings time, not in general, but in the very concrete of your life and my life, to its fullness. Would that we feast well on such a banquet. And would then that we go forth on this day doing what Our Lady does, to hold the goodness of this day and this time in our hearts, for indeed it is a treasure. And strengthened by that treasure, let us move then joyfully into the blessings of the coming year. Amen. <laughs>